together with American Songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Dan Elliott, a.k.a. Pointed Man Band, over Zoom video. Dan Elliott is a multi-instrumentalist. He's a dreamer and a performer whose records can be enjoyed by both parents and children alike. He actually got started uh, when he had his first kid, and he would play music kind of as a nap time inspired recording project that soon turned into the Pointed Man Band. He'll tell us his entire journey in music and how he got to where he is today. You can watch our interview with Dan Elliott of Pointed Man Band on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Pointed Man Band. Thanks for doing this. This is uh, about you and your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, Dan. Well, tell me, I did see that you're from Portland. Are you born and raised in Portland? Not born and raised, but I've been here for the past 16 or so years. So Okay. Where were you born and raised? Yeah, Uh, sure. I I was born in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. How was that? It was cool. (laughs) <laughs> it was cool uh growing up near new york city was pretty awesome so that's yeah. awesome yeah I, yeah I, I took it for what it was and then got out of there so yeah i was gonna say you came all the way across the whole country huh like yeah much, i mean directly across wow well well how did you get into music uh basically started in fourth grade fifth grade playing trumpet and took it from there just turned out it was in my head so i kept going with it yeah i think i think the way that most people do so okay right on yeah. so trumpet was that like uh for the school band or something or school band yep okay they, they let us at it uh pretty early on in elementary school so i took it tried to figure it out tried to learn it and uh still trying to <laughs> <laughs> right on did you continue uh trumpet through like high school and college uh, through high school. Yeah. Yeah. I did marching band and okay. that, that actually had a, a pretty big impact on me, uh, <clears throat> musically, just, just having that kind of a sonic, like hug all around you in a field and sure and hear the way that it plays off of things. I think reflecting on that, it, it's, it really kind of stuck with me. So, okay. Very cool. Thanks for what asking. About, yeah, yeah. What about <laughs> bands, uh, other than the marching band? I uh, you mean like like, like making high play, school bands and yeah, such like that? Jam with your friends or anything or a little bit, a little bit. I wasn't I wasn't cool enough for them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see a guitar back there. When did you pick up the guitar? Uh that was in fourteen, around fourteen, so middle school. Okay. And when did you start writing songs? Uh probably about that same time, around sixth grade, started writing stuff in my head and going into the technology uh classroom and writing out lyrics oh. really cool you know yeah did you record any of it uh in high school okay in high school more yeah. of a solo thing i mean you were saying that you didn't really play in a band yeah it was it was i mean it still kind of is a weird solo thing like i, yeah, I put now. it all together and then yeah sure and then farm it out a little bit but yeah okay yeah. did you play like open mic nights or anything not really. That's I. I was always drawn a little bit more towards the crafting of of sound and music and song, 
more so than the live performance of it. Uh, that that came a little later. Oh, okay. When did you start doing the live performances? Like eight years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, well, okay. So what took you to, to Portland? Uh, Winemaking, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you, like, how did you get into that? Uh, just out of curiosity, you know, I was, I was moving from Boston uh, after living there for a year and had a bottle of wine with some friends. And it, I really wasn't, I didn't drink. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just kind of, it caught me. It was really cool. And so I got into it and wondered how it was made and just made my way into, into wineries and into winemaking and kept up with that. Wow. So you never drank prior and then you just had this bottle of wine with your buddies and you're like, yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to get into this. Pretty much. You know, it was one of those things like, wow, this, this is really cool. This is a different world, you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't drinking to get drunk or anything like that. It was just a celebratory thing. It's like, wow, this is, this is pretty neat. And then you start working in vineyards and it's pretty glamorous, even though it's not, you know, because you're in beautiful (laughs) surroundings. Right. Right. I could, I could see this being a part of my life. That's cool. Uh, yeah. And so. then how did you get into the children's music in that whole realm? Had a kid. Okay. <laughs> that, so, that makes it easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, it was uh, after, after my kid was born, I was spending a lot of time with him and we were just very musical together. Uh, okay. And so as we started doing these little rhymes and songs and such like that, just on the driving to and from daycare and on our days together. Uh, I just figured what the, Hey, I'll, I'll make some songs mm-hmm. and uh, I'll try not to make them bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that took me down this whole journey and uh, you know, put it up to Kickstarter and folks funded it very rapidly. And it seemed like that was, that was a good sign. And so I yeah. just, I went, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward with it like as as fast and as furious as i could to make connections and see where it could take me and yeah i'm still getting to do it for sure sure so <laughs> so you, you this is all just it started out as just you writing songs for your for your son uh yeah and then how did like how did this kickstarter start and people started here like how did they people know that you're doing this were you passing it around the the daycare or like, like no, how did no. that start? Uh, it was, that's a really good question. Um, I think it was just, I had shared it with a few folks and they're like, hey, that's pretty cool. I'm like, all right, cool. And you know, like Kickstarter was a big thing back in 2013, 2014. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, why not try and actually make a physical CD out of this? Because that was still a thing then. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, well, here's the amount of money it would take. So why don't I draw some attention to it? See if folks would be willing to do it. Cause I didn't have the funds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the way Kickstarter works and, and sure. we just tried to make a good, uh, a good program out of it. And we got the word out early and people caught on to it. And we had a little, you know, pre-release party with some cupcakes and a, and a live performance. You asked about live performance. There it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the first one you ever did? Uh, pretty much. I mean, I had done some stuff, but like that was the first time in a long time. So okay, so you did that performance, and then the that's the Swordfish Tango. Is that the record? Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, that's the okay. one. You did a little research. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, after you put that record out, then what what did you do with it? Like after did you play, you know, different like kid shows or, or like how did yeah. your career start? Uh that that did that that kind of launched a whole a whole push to start doing local live performance. Okay. Um so that that pushed me into to performing out live at some local cafes and other things. And then we started uh, well, I, I realized how many folks there were doing music for families here in Portland. Mm-hmm. So then that really put together a big push for all of us to kind of get together because I was reaching out to all these folks and there's some other folks who were starting off and doing other things better than I was at that point. And it, it was really cool. So we started doing live performances as like kind of a super group for Portland, mm. you know? Okay. Sure. of all the family performers that were around and and it just yeah it led to a nice little understanding of how live music works in venues around town and having weekly and monthly gigs very cool and then yeah. with the next record the flight of the blue whale was that also like kickstarter funded or at that point were you able to that one was still kickstarter okay uh, yeah because sort swordfish tango was was nice at like, as I was saying, it, it got me out into the community and gave me the chance to be acquainted with the community. Mm-hmm. And then uh, through that and through that first Kickstarter, I was able to to deal with mastering and mixing. And so I met a, an engineer who became a close friend and he and I had access to a studio where we put together Flight of the Blue Whale. So we were able to, again, craft like an entire album and then I could just put it out to the community and say, Hey, this is what it's going to cost to put this out. Got it. What do you think? Can we do this? Can we do it quickly? Mm-hmm. It's better than it was before. It's like a lot better than it was before. Um, so yeah, that one was Kickstarter. And then uh, the first song off of that red Fox uh, ended up um, being spun uh, quite frequently on Sirius XM. Wow. Through their children's channel. The That's amazing. Live. So then I- that that traction allowed me to go forward onto this path where I no longer need to ask folks directly for money to. That's awesome. Fund. So once once I get on, how, do you remember getting a call or finding out that you're going to get your song on XM? No, I mean, it's it's a very easy submission process where they say, hey, send your stuff here. Right. Right. So but how many people send their stuff there and they just yeah. go, I worked in radio for 15 years. I know about the. <laughs> yeah I mean? <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so yeah there was i i mean as i said i was doing a lot of networking as well so there was this thing called kindycom in okay. philadelphia put together by wxpn where they'd have people come from wherever they were willing to come from and they could all you know fraternize and get together and so there was some of the the hosts from sirius xm and all these other radio stations who said here's a box put your cds in there mm-hmm. we'll listen promise <laughs> you know, just yeah. like, okay cool yeah uh, try and no i i found out that it was on there because uh facebook messaged from somebody who was just like hey man when does this come out i'm like what are you talking about yeah like i just heard your song like how did you hear my song this isn't like it was on serious um, oh. oh oh wow oh you know like 
I think I just leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then did yeah. you end up, uh, when did you hear for the first time on the radio? Did you buy a serious player at that point? I would have. We did, but not at that point. <laughs> okay, we, we were we were we were broke. So <laughs> okay, so it took us a couple of years to get to the series, but but it was no, I got to I got to hear it on uh, on local radio. Oh, that's which awesome! Was, which was super exciting. That is really cool. And with with the success of that, and and people hearing it on on Sirius, did that open up the doors for you quite a bit more, or? From there, were you able to play different cities? Because yeah, obviously, Sirius is nationwide. Yeah, yeah, no that that was a major step. Um, we didn't. I mean, I'm still not great at putting together the whole touring thing because I I do still have the day job full time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess that's not really an excuse, is it? <laughs> to anyone listening, you, you can do it. Just just do it there. Um, yeah, no, it did it did open up uh, some some avenues where we were able to go up to Seattle and then we were able to perform uh, locally uh, for a number of larger things. Like okay. Pick Pickathon would be probably the biggest thing that, that happened at that point. If you've heard of that festival. No. What, what, what's that about? Uh, it's, it's a local Oregon festival, but it's, it draws an acts nationally and internationally. Oh, right. And it's a lot of, a lot of folks who are like on the cusp of, of really, really just going. Big. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. you know, like, like Patrick Watson and Leon Bridges were there. Oh, okay. You know, like, yeah, yeah. And then it got bigger and bigger. And so the last time we went, you know, like Jeff Tweedy was part of the headline. So, oh, wow. That's cool. It's really cool. You should definitely uh, go ahead and YouTube some of the, some of the concerts that are available. Yeah, I will. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So that, that record was the first one that really got you, you know, airplay and, and to the next yeah. level. And then the, the following album, the between the waves and the cardoons what what was the like highlight of that record oh man i'm, I'm going through it all here with you yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh that one that one also uh ended up having the the first song on it oh my goodness yeah the waves sorry mm -hmm. i i you came better prepared than I did <laughs> knowing all of my albums. Uh, the waves ended up becoming uh, again, another pretty big hit on Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. uh, and with that, we also had a few more opportunities to perform on larger platforms and go back to Pickathon. And oh, cool. Also, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean that, that one really, again, kind of got us to another level of, being able to go into a studio and have connections and have the financial uh, support to do another record another after the record, which is, it's, it's kind of a fun little cycle once you can get into it. If you, if you can get, you know, just these three boxes kind of checked off immediately mm -hmm. and you can, then you can kind of see from there like, okay, this, this was the last one or I get to have one more maybe. Mm -hmm. it's the way that i look at it i'm not sure if that's like fatalistic or not but it's i i always kind of wonder is is this gonna be it? is this the finale sure but no, obviously not you just put a record out what about a little over a month ago yeah or an ep an ep yeah yeah so i prior to the 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 ep that you put out i mean i want to know 
were you writing that record or still supporting the previous record when when COVID happened and everything shut down? Like, where were you when that all took place? Uh, kind of got into uh, the sweet spot after after everything's been released. And with the last record prior to that, you know, we had got to do like a nice little radio tour and such like that in the East Coast, which was great. And then, you know, had like the summer performances. And as that stuff felt like it was just a nice welcome and hug to that whole album, the stress and the anxiety of, of what it takes to put everything out started to settle so that way my hands could kind of go back onto the piano and like feel comfortable just letting mm -hmm. ideas you know go to voice memo or whatever and sure <laughs> gifting it forward to myself a couple months down the line to listen to okay um so yeah uh i i was working on some basic shells and ideas for songs as the world started to shut down through covid okay and, and as as that hit i i just said all right well i'm i'm gonna nix the idea of having to do a full album and i just want to concentrate on making these four or five songs as best as i possibly can okay and did you start like when how quickly into that did you go to the studio and how were you able to accomplish that i mean obviously with the restrictions and everything else that that were going on yeah uh well it was actually it was it was a really good excuse to to totally change what we had been doing. Okay. Uh, so, like I said, I had a good friend who is an engineer, and he and I had done, uh, you know, three albums together, where we would demo it out, go into the studio, and polish it up. And through all of that, I kind of learned to make my demos as polished as I could. Okay. So, with this, what I did is I made the demos as polished everything was put into place the best that I could. So that way, you know, I could even pull from the demo to put into a final recording. Oh, like, like awesome. Trying, yeah. like just trying to, to really get the craft mm -hmm. honed in enough so that if you don't have the time, you can still you pull from the demo. Yeah. If you can't quite get the magic of those backing vocals, right. At least, at least you didn't do it on a, on a terrible microphone. <laughs> in a noisy setting you know sure sure and you could still so that was kind of the way that i had gotten everything set up for the ep and then i reached out to uh a friend pat hanlon who's in boston and said hey man you live in a recording studio and you can play every instrument uh-huh <laughs> what do you think you know he, he had been <laughs> He had been producing for some other folks. So it's just like, what do you think? You know, we've always gotten along. You've always liked this stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you like these enough to play on it? And so he said, yeah. And between he and I, you know, I, I did a lot of keys, parts and vocals and, you know, synth stuff mm -hmm. here at, at the house and, you know, just invested in a good interface and all that kind of stuff. And then he took over undoing the drums doing some extra keys and then he was able to bring in uh safely and you know with distance and masks and all that sure brought brought in a buddy who who played bass which this was interesting because it was the first time that it wasn't me playing bass on an album oh okay and i was like all right well let's see let's see what he does <laughs> it's like oh yeah when you just concentrate on bass you're a lot better than i am 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that's cool. And then, yeah. and then, yeah, and then brought in the horn players and string players. And ultimately, it all came together pretty quickly and safely, thankfully for everyone. And, and I think the product turned out pretty well. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And then you, again, this was, uh, I did read that this is like a family affair. Are, were your, was your wife and your kid involved in the prior albums at all? Or yeah. was this the first one? Okay. Yeah. Um, no, as, as we started, uh, where was it? And as we started going on to Flight of the Blue Whale, or actually, no, it started before that. Even, even with Swordfish Tango, my wife is a choir teacher. Oh, okay. So I roped her into recording her choir. <laughs> They're like the middle school oh, choir that's for amazing. backing vocals. And then as we got into doing uh, the next album, Flight of the Blue Whale, I had actually asked her if she would sing fully mm-hmm. for a tune. Okay. And as folks heard that, they're just like, yo, you got, you got to feature your wife more. <laughs> I was like, cool. I like your voice too. Yeah, <laughs> you <know>? Sure. So, <laughs> so it just, it became a thing where I was just like, Hey, you know, like you're a better singer than I am. You're helping a lot. Can, can you please feature yourself solo on this song and do these harmonies for me, please? <laughs> and and yeah it's it's worked out really well and you know she became a part of the live performance and as now my son is coming upon 10 he has taken up a, a part of the live performance he's got great rhythm so he loves playing shaker or anything that has to do with percussion okay uh and then on this on this dp on dreams i asked him to actually sing with me so that's awesome you know, How was that? Some... that must have been pretty, pretty cool to share that moment with him. It is cool. You know, I mean, unfortunately for him, our basement is not as glorious as the recording studio. <laughs> so it is, so you can record experience. it at home during the, during this whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you, if you create a, enough of an isolation for yourself and you just have good equipment available, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so the, that's cool. So you got a chance to to sing. You're gonna say that it wasn't as glamorous as like going into a, a major studio. No, nowhere near as glamorous. Because <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, and there's your Legos. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, dude. Just put those down, and I just need you to sing this part. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. so cool that he's he's featured on the record. That's that's really awesome. And then you had a an like an illustration. Like, what's this? You you hired like a Portland based illustrator to do what the record cover or the artwork or? Yeah, yeah. I've I've been working with uh, Brooke Weber. She goes mm-hmm. by uh, Little Canoe. You can find her on Pinterest and all all those wonderful places under that handle. Um, she's been working with us since Flight of the Blue Whale. Um, She's just amazing. You yeah. Know, so kinda, all I, the all the previous album covers are all her. Everything except for Swordfish Tango. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So she came on and together we've just kind of been honing in on on what each other's style is combined. Mm-hmm. And I feel like on this one, she just knocked it out of the park. Like that. I gave her my own little sketch of what I was thinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> here's here's my kindergarten sketch and it's got right. peacock and these little things. And then it's just insane. Like, especially since she's gone all digital with it. It's, 
it's really just phenomenally beautiful. That's really cool. That's really cool. And yeah. with the, with the record, how are obviously you can't tour right now. So have you been promoting it? Just like have you been doing like live streams or stuff like that for the, the kids? Or we we did do a live stream uh, kind of release for it, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't really been able to do too much through it, uh, unfortunately, because okay. I am still working full time and things have not been easy on that, on that end to find the time. Sure. Uh, and also with the way thing, I mean, you know, we're, we're homeschooling at -hmm. this point, the schools are just opening back up. So my wife is now going back into full-time teaching in person. Okay. So now we're transitioning from having, you know, the, the home office to. Right. AKA the, the table. Yeah, right. <laughs> the living room. <laughs> exactly. Um, so no, the, the I haven't been able to get on top of this one as much as I was hoping. Okay. Uh, well, also, I think I'm learning that a little later in the year might be a preferred time to release. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hopefully things will be opening up uh, by that point as well, and yeah, get out there yeah. and do some shows. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, but it has been a really cool uh, time. And I think it has been for a lot of musicians to kind of hone in on how to do more mm-hmm. with what you've got, you know, sure. or, or buy a little extra something to kind of make the sound for when we can get back to it. It's going to be that much more of a treat. Sure. So, you know, it's 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 kind of been an amazing process for that. Uh, that- that's awesome. That's really cool. And Dan, thank you so much for chatting with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Adam, thanks so much for having me on, man. Yeah, I have one more question for you. I yes, want to know, do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Yeah. Do it. Do it as best and as big as you can all of the time. And whenever you feel just on edge as to whether or not you should, or if it seems like too big of a leap, just make it. Just try talk to everyone <laughs>